James chapter 3, these are God's words. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the whole the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father. And with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So the chapter as a whole uh, is teaching us about who should be teachers. He starts with, let not many of you become teachers, and then he goes on to describe the sort of man especially that shouldn't, and then uh, the man that should, as he contrasts him. So in verses 1 through 8, uh, a teacher should be someone who respects the power of the tongue and who is familiar with God's grace for sanctifying the use of the tongue. So that if he is familiar with God's grace for sanctifying the use of the tongue, no man can tame the tongue, he says that. But of course God can, by his grace. And the same sanctification that grace produces in taming the tongue will work for anything. If it can work on the tongue, he says, then it will work on the whole body. And so first... Men who respect the power of the tongue in verses 1 through 8. 
In the second place, men who are committed to both praise of God and blessing of men. Men who know what their mouth is for. So they know the power of the tongue and they also know the purpose of the tongue. The tongue was created first and foremost for the praise of God. But if it's not also combined with the blessing of men, then we're not actually praising God. The tongue is a spring coming out of the heart. And if the heart treasures God, then it will praise him and bless our neighbor. But if, uh, if we're praising him but not blessing our neighbor, if we praise him and curse our neighbor, then it is not truly a spring. Uh, we are self-deceived when thinking that we are praising God. And in the last place, in verses 13 through 18, men whose conduct exhibit what you see in verses 17 and 18. In verse 17 in particular. So first, the man must know the power of the tongue. Second, he must know the purpose of the tongue. And third, he must seek the produce of peace. I'll seek the produce of peace. First, then, the power of the tongue. He says, don't try to be a teacher. We all stumble in many things, and teachers will receive a stricter judgment. Which means he stumbles in the tongue and in other things. Why? Because if he's controlling his tongue, uh, then he's able to control the whole body, says the rest of verse 2. And so the tongue is... Uh, very powerful and difficult to control, but it itself can control other things. And so each of us, since we are called to hate all of our sin and put it to death, one of the primary focuses that every Christian will have for the rest of his life is on taming his tongue. Every single one of you, every single one of us, one of the things that we should be doing in our walk with the Lord is being careful about our speech. Being careful only to speak in a way that honors God, only in a way that respects others, and especially in a way that seeks to produce fruitfulness, uh, to increase one another's, not just tranquility in the home and uh, lack of verbal warfare among men, uh, but to use our mouths, each of us, in a way that will help one another uh, walk rightly with God, think well of Him. Uh, and so praise of God will not only be on our lips when we're talking to God, but praise of God will be on our lips when we're talking with one another. But a teacher should be someone who is mature uh, in these things, someone who knows the power of the tongue, respects the power of the tongue, and is not like a fool uh, who, uh, around a wild, untamed beast, uh, is making a great show of, uh, of how unafraid he is of it. He's not respecting um, its power. Uh, men have tamed every sort of beast. Verse 7 says, But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of of deadly poison. Uh, when the tongue speaks, it has 
Um, it speaks out of an overflow of what is in our hearts. And it is often, and especially by our tongues, that we discover how much remaining sin, how much fleshliness actually remains in us. In fact, uh, verse 6 verse six says it is set on fire by hell. So everyone uh, should respect the power of the tongue and should focus on mortifying sins of the tongue. And especially someone who, who is a teacher. And especially someone who is your teacher. Your minister, your father. You don't get to choose. Well, you guys don't get to choose either of those. But if you ever end up in a place where the minister is the sort of guy who cracks foul jokes, uses foul words, especially someone who lashes out at others uh, with his mouth, don't listen to him. And certainly don't uh, listen to... Don't listen to teachers over media that are like that. There's uh, one individual in particular that I can think of that many people who end up at our church and sometimes even who are in our church uh, listen to. And uh, he definitely does not pass the James 3 test. So it doesn't matter how clever the podcast is. If the man does not respect the power of the tongue, if he does not identify the purpose of the tongue, and if he is not seeking the produce of peace from the tongue, don't listen to him. He shouldn't be a teacher. He's going to be more strictly judged, and you shouldn't take him to be your teacher. So a man who respects the power of the tongue in the first place, a man who knows the purpose of his tongue in the second place. When uh, when I was giving kind of the headings, the outline, uh, give you almost this whole thing. With it we bless our God and Father. He says in verse 9, starts this little section in verses 9 through 12. Uh, and when he says, with it we bless our God and Father, he's recognizing the purpose of your tongue. This is what your tongue was made for, the praise of God. The praise of God that comes not only from a creature, but from a sinner that has been redeemed through union with Christ and now is adopted in Jesus. And because we are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts. And what does the spirit cry out? Both in that place in Galatians 4 that I was just quoting and uh, in Galatians 8, one of the great things, the first great thing that the Spirit gives our tongue to do from our heart is to call God our Abba, our Father. And immediately this orients us to uh, our whole life in union with Jesus and as children of God, that we are to be blameless and pure in the midst of a corrupt and perverse generation. Well, what is one of the first marks of that blamelessness and pureness, purity? That we do all things without complaining or arguing. But we walk in love as children of God. Uh, to come uh, to Ephesians 5 at the beginning there. 
And so, uh, praise as adopted saints in Christ who are indwelt by his spirit. This is the reason tongues exist and the reason your tongue exists. Now, if your tongue exists for that reason, you imagine, you know, one of these great epic tales and there's this super powerful sword to borrow from verses one through eight. And it exists for one great reason and it's kept on the wall. Uh, you're permitted to take it down if you're going to use it for a reason that is consistent with its great reason. And how dreadful it would be if someone, even in even in this fiction, would take that sword down and use it for something else. Always use your tongue, this powerful tongue that was created for this great and glorious purpose of praising God as his redeemed and adopted child only in ways that are consistent with its great purpose. And that means never attacking or despising someone who is made in his image. Now the people you have to practice honor one another. And so seek to speak respectfully to and about one another. And seek to use the way we talk in conversation in the home in a way that edifies and builds one another up. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God, made in his image, made in his likeness, and you're going to attack them and speak words that tempt them into curse and bring them into curse? Of course not. If the tongue is a spring then make sure that what comes out of it with respect to God and what comes out of it with respect to man match one another. Because if they don't match, then uh, that exposes our praise of God as false. And God have mercy if we bring in false hypocritical praise. So a teacher should be someone who respects the power of the tongue, knows the purpose of the tongue, and then seeks the produce of peace or produces peace with his tongue. The first thing that shows wisdom is humility. Verse 13, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness, the lowliness, the humility, the gentleness of wisdom. And so you'll have works that are kind and gentle, not just words that are sugary and soft and sweet. But there is gentleness and kindness that proceeds from his hand, just as there are is humility and gentleness that proceeds from his mouth. Verse 14 is something that each of us have to evaluate for ourselves whether we are speaking in a way that tries to advance ourselves, bitter envy, or secretly hopes that uh, we will have some gain or admiration or self-seeking, if that's we have that desire in our heart. Now, if you're a daughter 
or a wife, as six of you are, you may be thinking, well, I don't even need to listen to this chapter because there's no danger of me being a teacher. Well, first of all, in Hebrews 13, you're instructed to follow the outcome of your teacher's faith. Uh, and so you are seeking to have these things reproduced in you. But second of all, uh, you are hoping, or you already are in one case, uh, to be a mom. And you want to speak with gentleness. You want kindness from the hand and kindness from the lip. So that when they hear you say what is wise, they will know that it is wisdom from above. Okay, so there's uh, teaching that may sound very similar to the wisdom that is from above. Verse 17, the wisdom that is from above is first, and so on. But wisdom that is seeking one's own purposes does not descend from above, but is earthly and sensual, uh, fleshly and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. So half the time they're telling you to what to do or what not to do just to get what they want. And the other half the time uh, they're not saying to do or not to do, to do the same things. They speak in confusions. And this is true even of our, uh, of our podcaster and whom to listen to online, for instance, or whose books to read. You welcome them into your mind as teachers that way. Uh, and those who are envious and self-seeking, they make a big deal of themselves, maybe even try to build a whole city around themselves, and they create confusion and every evil thing. Well, that's what to avoid. But what should be in that place? Wisdom that is from above is first pure. It is not okay with any sort of coarse language or harsh language, dishonoring, disrespectful. Why? Because those things are against God just as much as any of the other things that he talks about are against God. So it's first pure, vertical, and then peaceable horizontal with others, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield is a word that describes something that is shapeable or teachable, as, as comes from a math that is still growing. Why? Well, first of all, he knows that God has infinite wisdom and he does not. And so the wisdom from above teaches him to be teachable. Without partiality, he doesn't treat one person different than another person. He's not a respecter of those who seem to be something. And uh, you remember the whole uh, first half of chapter 2 in which we consider that. And without hypocrisy. And that goes back to verses 9 through 13. Uh, and speaking to God one way and to man another way, which shows that the the... 
speech that is made to God or, or about God, this supposed praise, is not actually coming from the heart, but is hypocritical. And so the wisdom that is from above is first pure, and then peaceable, gentle, teachable, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now the fruit, back to this, full of good fruits, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And praise God, we have just recently heard, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be the sons of God. And they are seeking to see people brought into peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ, repentance unto life, the saving graces that by which God unites us to Christ and uh, brings our fellowship with Christ, the life of Christ, out in our lives. And uh, the uh, the one who should be a teacher speaks in a way that is peace-seeking and peaceable and peaceful. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. It's very, very different than whom the world would make teachers. The world tends to make teachers those who are most impressive of presentation, not those who are most humble and gentle and peaceful. And yet these are the ones uh, whom the Lord has made his teachers, uh, the teachers that serve him in the church. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we pray that by your spirit, you would write the truth of this passage on our hearts, that you would make us to be those who know the power of the tongue and who are therefore mortifying sins of the tongue and those who know the purpose of the tongue and those who produce peace in our manner and as our goal in our use of the tongue. Grant it, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.